A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The morning sun painted the sky with hues of gold as our team of archaeologists and hikers gathered at the edge of a remote and desolate part of the national park. Excitement and anticipation filled the air as we prepared to embark on an expedition to study the ancient petroglyphs that lay hidden in these rugged terrains. Little did we know that this journey would take a dark and haunting turn. Unaware of the legends that surrounded the site, we ventured forth, our enthusiasm masking any sense of caution. The petroglyphs were said to hold secrets of a long-lost civilization, and we were determined to uncover the mysteries they concealed. As we worked diligently to document and study the intricate carvings etched into the stone, an air of unease settled upon us. The atmosphere seemed charged with an otherworldly energy, but we dismissed it as mere imagination, attributing it to our fervent interest in the ancient relics. In our pursuit of knowledge, we disregarded the warnings of the local tribes, who spoke of a powerful curse that guarded the sacred land. Ignorantly, we continued our excavation, unknowingly disturbing an ancient burial ground that had remained undisturbed for centuries. 
As the sun dipped below the horizon, we gathered around the campfire to share stories and laughter, the weight of our discovery momentarily forgotten. But as darkness enveloped the campsite, a palpable shift in the atmosphere sent shivers down our spines. Terrifying visions plagued our dreams that night, each of us tormented by haunting nightmares of vengeful spirits and shadowy figures. We awoke in a cold sweat, our faces pale with fear, and realized that something malevolent had been unleashed upon us. Bizarre occurrences began to unfold. Objects moved on their own accord, and ghostly whispers echoed through the night. We felt an oppressive presence bearing down on us, suffocating us with its malevolence. One by one, members of our team fell victim to inexplicable accidents and mysterious illnesses. Paranoia and distrust took root among us as we struggled to comprehend the horrors that surrounded us. Desperation drove us to seek the guidance of the local tribespeople, hoping they could offer a solution to the curse we had unwittingly unleashed. They spoke of a ritual that could appease the vengeful spirits and lift the curse, but it required confronting our own past actions and acknowledging the disrespect we had shown to the sacred land. Reluctantly, we faced the truth that our arrogance and ignorance had led us down this path of terror. Fueled by remorse, we embarked on the ritual, hoping it wasn't too late to right our wrongs and escape the grasp of the malevolent entity. As we performed the ancient rites under the watchful eyes of the local tribespeople, the energy in the air shifted once more. A chilling wind swept through the camp, and a feeling of ancient wisdom and sorrow filled our hearts. The vengeful entity manifested before us, its form shifting between the spectral and the corporeal. With humility and reverence, we apologized for our intrusion, acknowledging the sanctity of the land and the spirits that guarded it. As we made our amends, the entity's fury gradually subsided, and a sense of peace descended upon the campsite. The curse began to lift, and the haunting visions dissipated like morning mist. Our expedition had changed us forever. We had witnessed the consequences of our unchecked curiosity, and had learned the importance of respecting the sacredness of the past. We left the National Park with newfound humility and a deeper understanding of the delicate balance between knowledge and reverence for the mysteries that lay dormant in the heart of the earth. As you all know, it's Halloween, and my friends and I just had a really weird experience. We were sitting in the cemetery next to the host friend's house and smoking weed at around 9.39.45 p.m. We were just messing around and having fun until we heard a super loud growl from the woods behind us. Like, not an animal growl, but not a man growl either. It sounded like Mongolian throat singing or something. I asked everyone, did you guys hear that? But nobody responded, and one of my friends took off running. We all took off running after her. Even my friend, whose legs give out on him a lot and would be in extreme pain every time he ran, so I know they weren't doing it too with me. My one friend said he could hear someone running through the woods behind us, and another friend heard what sounded like a man yelling after us. The neighborhood is full of extremely rich old people, and none of us think they would pull a prank like that, especially since it was pitch black and we had no flashlights, so you wouldn't just be able to casually see us in the cemetery unless you were looking on purpose. Any ideas on what the F just happened to us? On that day, July 17, 2017, I was relaxing at home in Santa Cruz, California, 
when I noticed some movement across the street from my kitchen window. It's a small side street with lots of large trees. It was hard to tell what I was seeing at first because they appeared to have some sort of camouflage, but they looked like black SWAT uniforms with small yellow lettering. Once I was able to get a better view, they were up in a tree, very well hidden by the leaves, and I was only really able to see them when they moved. It was apparent when they moved as opposed to the wind because only a small section of a branch would vibrate. I was startled and anxious because they were looking toward my house, and I first thought they had me under surveillance or something and couldn't understand what was going on. I watched them in the tree for at least five, ten minutes, and I was crouched low looking through a cutout in my fence. They seemed to spot me at some point and some kind of faint beeping sound started, like an alarm on a radio or walkie, talkie. They then began trying to slowly and secretly climb down ropes that I could see being controlled by a man high in the tree wearing a blue jacket. They dropped out of sight behind the neighbor across the street's fence. So this was all weird enough, but what happened next was absolutely mind blowing. I was trying to see where they went behind the fence and noticed something very tall at the back of the driveway of their next door neighbor. Their driveway extends behind their house into the backyard. I realized I was looking at an unbelievably tall woman with very blonde long hair. She had a sort of gray and white jumpsuit on, with a strange-looking oval back covering that went around the top of her head and all the way down to her feet. It was only solid in the back and was whitish in color with a pattern border around the edge. It didn't really look like fabric, but I couldn't tell what it was. Her eyes were extremely large. She stood very still, but moved slightly, and there seemed to be a shorter humanoid shape wearing the same color jumpsuit moving around rather wildly at her feet. But the shadow of the fence made it hard to see that part. The sunlight was good and bright, and the only obstruction was some sparse shadowing from tree leaves. Not really sure what I was looking at. I looked back to where the black wearing tree climbers had been, and saw that suddenly there was now a short, skin-colored something standing behind their fence. The fence is a lattice pattern, so there are a good many holes you can see through. It was too short to be seen over the top of the fence, but I could see a very large face with a deeply wrinkled forehead and eyes that almost looked like they were made of some kind of glitter. They were very large and somewhat rounder than what people usually describe as alien eyes. I could see that it was looking right at me, so not knowing what else to do, I waved at it. It then reached a hand with very long bony fingers through the fence lattice and waved back. It waved a couple more times, stopping in between waves. I was so stunned that I had to look away and shake my head to make sure I wasn't hallucinating. When I looked back, it had stopped waving and was a little farther back from the fence. It seemed like a good entity, whatever it was. Even though I was seeing from across the street through two fences, I could see it quite well. Things somehow got even weirder after that. I decided to lie down for a minute, glancing back to where the massive woman had been, but there didn't seem to be anyone there anymore. I went up into my little loft, which has several skylights under a giant live oak tree. I stared at the tree, trying to process what I had just witnessed, when I noticed a couple of branches quivering like the ones the covert ops guys had been shaking. I expected to see more of those creepy agents, but instead strained to see a much smaller creature climbing expertly up into the high branches. It was difficult to see it clearly because it seemed to be a dusty gray-green color, much like the bark and leaves of the tree. It seemed to have textured skin, possibly scaly, 
and it had an angular face with teeny tiny little projections like little horns or possibly short antennae. It has a small mouth that looked full of sharp teeth. Its eyes were quite large and dark. It had a humanoid build but was short. I stared at this for many minutes, wondering what the hell was going on. Then I caught sight of some slight movement on other branches, and saw two more of the same creatures climbing easily up the tall tree. They reached a high up branch that was big enough to lie on. The light, once they stopped moving much, was not ideal, and it was hard to see them when they were sitting still. In the shade of the branches, it looked like an even smaller, dark green creature was working on the gray-colored one's back somehow. It looked like a massage to me. I watched until my neck was too painful from looking up to continue. When I looked back a little later, the branches were empty. This was all preceded by an unnerving experience late the night before. I got up to get water and glanced at the driveway neighbor's window. Inside I saw an unnaturally gangly figure that was bluish light gray. It was staring out of their window directly at me which caught me off guard and I let out a little shriek. I walked from the kitchen into the bathroom and looked again. Seeing that its eyes followed where I was, I called my boyfriend in fear and told him what I was seeing. He was just excited while I was scared. I thought that would be the end of it when I went to bed, but the next day was even crazier. I wish I had a way to find out what was going on. There was also a very small orb darting about the branches of the oak tree, and any time it would graze a twig it would give a little shake. I've never seen a bird or bug or other flying life form move in that manner. I attest that this is all true, and I described it to the best of my knowledge. I have never seen anything like this before and really would like to know what was going on. And if it is real, why so many different kinds of extraterrestrials were in my neighborhood. This was years ago in South Milwaukee. It was a winter day walking my dog, overcast. I saw a dark creature sprint across the street, but it was not opaque, like the edges were smoky. It seemed like it had legs, and I saw it sprint across the street and down an alley. It was maybe the size of a medium dog. Definitely seemed like it had four legs, maybe more. I did a double take, but couldn't find any trace of it. It was like it blipped into our dimension just for a few seconds, sort of. Doing a road trip with a friend of mine driving from Tennessee to California, we planned out many stops along the way trying to take in the sights of the country and avoid expensive hotels by camping. We had made it all the way down to Arizona and stopped in Flagstaff for dinner. Our next stop was to drive down to Sedona and camp at a free camping ground right off the interstate. When our exit came up it was well into the dark hours. We pulled off and the exit immediate turned into gravel road. Strange but no problem my jeep could handle it. The road turned from gravel to just massive rocks as tall trees seemed to surround us from now, where our GPS cut out, and we began to wonder if we were lost. My friend then took the opportunity to begin telling alien abduction stories, which seemed harmless at first. We continued for a few more miles till we found a spot we figured we could camp out. As we pulled up even before we got out, even before we got out my friend said he thought he saw something moving along with us. I in disbelief yet still freaked out enough by the alien stories. Stopped the car. We waited and sure enough I saw it too, one shadowy figure. No two, no three. Then more than I could count, but just outside of light so we couldn't make them out completely. Finally, when all the previous figures passed the last one, something 
looking eleven or twelve feet tall, stood looking at us. We didn't sit for a moment longer. I put the car in gear and drove for another five miles. Needless to say, we were shook and making ridiculous assumptions on what we saw. We camped on that road, but stayed in the car. I didn't sleep well. I cannot say about my friend. Come morning time, our worries were put to rest. Around 5 a.m. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A group of hunters came by us as we were getting up. Turns out the road was a prime spot for hunters to camp and hunt elk. They told us that they had spotted a herd some thirty, forty strong and let us borrow their binoculars to check them out, maybe a half mile off from our campsite. We continued down the road, which led directly into Sedona, and ran into our twelve-feet friend from the night before, a massive moose. I had never seen one before, and had never known how huge they could get. He wandered across the path in front of us, took one look, and walked away. We sure were far more scared than need be, but having never been in that area, and the state of mind we were in telling alien stories, sure worked us up. My family and I were making our way back home to Colorado from Texas. We made it home somewhere around 1 a.m., but Mom wanted to unpack the car that night so we wouldn't have to deal with it the following day. We lived out on an 80-acre piece of land about an hour east of Colorado Springs, and our nearest neighbors weren't for miles. It was pretty desolate. We didn't have electricity or running water. The goal was to be off the grid. The sky was clear, beautiful, stars everywhere. No sign of any bad weather. As we were unloading the car, though out of nowhere we got hit with a fog so dense, you couldn't shine a light through it. You couldn't see your hands unless you touched them up to your face. It was already cold enough, and the sudden fog didn't help. The four of us froze in our tracks and called to one another. I managed to find the car and clung to it for dear life. My mother was closest to the house, and she managed to get to the door and unlock it. After that, we called to one another to see who was close to whom. What we were close to when the fog hit, and then Mom would call back. This went on for a solid forty minutes. The fog did not go away. My father finally found me and from there tracked down my sister. He tied ropes to our waists so we wouldn't lose one another. He echoed back and forth with my mother, which took another twenty minutes. The fog still wasn't gone. Finally, at long last, like a ghost popping through a wall, my mother appeared in front of us. We all got into the house immediately and warmed up in front of the propane heater. We looked out the windows, and it was as if someone had painted them over so you couldn't see out. Somewhere around fourteen people died that night from the fog. It was one of the weirdest natural occurrences I had ever experienced. 
I want to say I was 11 years old. Needless to say, from then on, we only arrived home during the day if possible. If not, we'd stay in a hotel rather than risk dying in our front yard. Growing up, the woods behind my house were my sanctuary. I spent countless hours exploring the area, learning every nook and cranny of the dense forest. The centerpiece of this woodland retreat was a creek, where I would often spend my days enjoying the cool, refreshing water. One late summer day, as I walked through the woods with my loyal white lab by my side, I came across a group of kids I didn't recognize. I assumed they were from the local military academy, taking advantage of their free time to enjoy the outdoors. The kids were daring each other to jump into the creek from a 15 to 20 foot high cliff. I couldn't help but feel concerned, as I knew that the water level had dropped significantly by that time of year, exposing several large rocks just beneath the surface. As I approached the group, I politely pointed out the hidden danger, suggesting they refrain from jumping to avoid any serious injuries. One of the kids, clearly feeling challenged by my advice, took great offense. He unleashed a torrent of curses at me and, with a defiant smirk, took a running start and jumped into the creek. Miraculously, he avoided the rocks, but the danger didn't seem to faze him. Fueled by adrenaline, the boy stormed out of the water and charged towards me. I calmly retreated up the bank, grabbed my trusty walking stick, a six-and-a-half-foot-long, inch-thick, octagonal oak oar, and stood my ground with my protective lab by my side. The boy's friends, who had initially cheered him on, now realized the gravity of the situation and began urging him to back off. He hesitated for a moment, looking up at me and my imposing weapon, and then at my snarling dog. The realization that he had bitten off more than he could chew was written all over his face. In that instant, the bravado that had propelled him off the cliff and towards me vanished. He scrambled back up the cliff at a speed that rivaled his descent, his friends close behind him. As the group disappeared into the woods, I couldn't help but feel a strange sense of satisfaction. I hadn't sought out a confrontation, but I had stood my ground and protected both myself and my dog. In the end, I hoped that the encounter had taught the reckless young man a valuable lesson in respecting both nature and the advice of others who know it well. After the excitement had subsided, I continued my walk with my loyal companion, grateful for the peaceful solitude that the woods usually provided. The creek, now quiet and undisturbed, seemed to share my relief. Its waters, once again flowing gently and undisturbed through the heart of the forest, A buddy and myself rode our bikes up the road to check out the old helicopter pad which we had been told of by our neighbors. As we got the top, we heard hard, stomping almost like there was to different animals up there with us. About ten feet from us, we heard a loud crack, and then a madrone tree started to shake violently. The It stopped, then again the tree shook. My friend and I thought it was a joke. So we picked up our rocks and started to throw them in the general direction of the tree. We scared it off for a little while, but then the tree stared to shack and a rock was thrown back. We decided to jet fearing a bear or something else. As we rode down the road, we could hear one on each side of the road stomping almost like chasing us out of the forest. I have been up there four times since then and find it imposable for the tree to shake as it did. But since then, I have had two more encounters with the stomping beast in that general area. Last day of a week. Long backpacking trip in the Canadian Rockies. 
I was about fifteen minutes ahead of Dan when I came upon a literally steaming pile of grisly scat in the middle of the trail, loaded with berries. I made sure that my bear spray was handy and walked on. Maybe thirty-forty yards down, I was in some brush when I heard a rustling to my right. I stopped, grabbed the bear spray and my camera. Then a grisly eight, ten feet tall stood up on its hind legs less than ten feet from me. But just as quickly it dropped down and ran off like a quarter, horse and disappeared. I got a bad photo and a racing heart. In late September 2002, I was camping by myself near Williamson River Campground. The area where I camp is one of many traditional campsites used by members of the Klamath tribes along the river. On my way in, I drove through the nearby campgrounds to see if any were occupied. As they were not, I continued on to my camp confident that I would not be disturbed for at least one night. After setting camp, I caught my dinner, ate and settled in for a relaxing evening with my fire. It was very dark, still. A little chilly and very quiet that night. I remember considering turning in for the night as my fire had burned down to embers, so I checked the time. It was midnight. Exactly. At that moment, I heard a large and heavy object hit the surface of the water with tremendous force. I would estimate the distance of the splash to be about thirty feet away from my fire pit. The object came from the opposite side of the river. The object did not dislodge and roll down the bank as I would have heard it tumble down into the water. Also, the bank is such that if this large object were thrown by a human, it would have struck the bank at least once before reaching the river. Whatever threw this object, I determined to be a large rock, was very strong. I became immediately alarmed, realizing that I was not alone. I did not allow my instinct to flee drive my to panic, although I was very frightened. I rationalized it could be one of two things that threw the rock. Sasquatch or a very large wild person. In either case, it was apparent to me that I wasn't welcome there that night, even though I had camped there many times before, without incident. I decided the best thing to do was to leave as quickly as possible. Before moving from my seat, I reached for my sidearm and fired around into the air to let whatever it was know that I was armed and scared. I then hurried to my vehicle, started the engine, and illuminated the opposite riverbank with my roof-mounted spotlight. I saw nothing. I then quickly broke camp and left without further incident. I did retrieve the object in question a couple of weeks ago. It is a large volcanic rock of awkward shape and weighs in at 34 pounds. It was exactly where I remember hearing the splash and is the only rock of that size and shape in that section of the river. The Tongass National Forest, located in the rugged wilderness of Alaska, is a place of raw beauty and untamed wilderness. Towering ancient trees reach towards the heavens, their branches intertwined like a protective canopy against the sky. The forest is teeming with life. From the graceful flight of bald eagles to the elusive footprints left behind by bears and wolves. But beneath its serene facade, there lies a dark undercurrent, a whispered legend of strange creatures lurking deep within the woods. It is in this enigmatic setting that I find myself, Anna, a diligent park ranger with a passion for protecting the natural wonders of the world, transferred to Tongass National Forest after a heated disagreement with my former boss. I couldn't help but feel a sense of trepidation 
as I set foot in this new territory. Rumors of bizarre sightings and unexplained phenomena echoed through the park ranger community, but I dismissed them as mere tales meant to thrill campfire gatherings. As I delved into my duties, conducting routine patrols and ensuring the safety of visitors, I gradually became aware of a subtle shift in the forest's atmosphere. Whispering voices carried on the wind, their words elusive and indiscernible. Shadows danced at the periphery of my vision, vanishing as I turned to face them. Strange occurrences became part of my daily routine, a rustle in the undergrowth where no creature should be, an inexplicable chill running down my spine in the dead of summer. With each passing night, the forest revealed more of its chilling secret. It started one evening as I sat alone in my ranger cabin, poring over maps and reports. A growl, guttural and unnatural, reverberated through the wall, startled. I rose from my chair and rushed outside, my heart pounding in my chest. The night air was thick with anticipation as I scanned the area, but I found no trace of its origin. Just as I turned to retreat, my gaze fell upon a pair of glowing eyes in the distance a haunting, unearthly luminescence that pierced the darkness. Driven by an insatiable curiosity, tinged with a tinge of fear, I cautiously ventured towards those mesmerizing orbs. The forest seemed to hold its breath. As I closed the gap, my footsteps echoing in the eerie silence. And then there it was, a creature unlike anything I had ever seen, standing on two legs like a man, yet possessing the snarling visage of a wild beast. It resembled the infamous dogman of folklore. Its hulking figure, covered in matted fur, seemed to blend seamlessly with the shadows. With trembling hands I steadied my rifle and took aim. The sound of the gunshot reverberated through the forest, accompanied by a growl that sent shivers down my spine. The wounded creature retreated, disappearing into the depths of the woods, but not before casting me a piercing glare that chilled me to the core. As my heart raced with adrenaline, I approached the cave from where the creature had emerged, and there in the pale glow of my flashlight I made a horrifying discovery. The cave floor was littered with the remains of hikers, bones, torn clothing, and gear strewn haphazardly. The realization hit me like a physical blow. This creature, this dogman, had been hunting unsuspecting victims within these very woods, feasting upon their lives in a macabre dance of death. Distressed and filled with anxiety, I fumbled for my radio and called for backup. The police arrived, their presence bringing a semblance of comfort amidst the nightmare that had unfolded. I recounted the events, my voice trembling with the weight of what I had witnessed. The remains of nearly twenty hikers painted a grim picture of the forest's hidden horrors. 